welcome to the WSU Wheat Beat Podcast. I'm your host, Drew Lyon, and I want to thank you for joining me as we explore the world of small grains production and research at Washington State University. We have weekly discussions with researchers from WSU and the USDA ARS to provide you with insights into the latest research on wheat and barley production. This week, we will be discussing genome editing and GMOs. Our guest is Michael Neff, professor, crop biotechnology and director of molecular plant sciences, PhD program at WSU. Hi, Mike. Hey, Drew, how are you doing? Good. So um, I think all of us have heard the term GMO, but I'm not sure really that we all really understand what that means. Can you tell us what a GMO is? So GMO stands for a genetically modified organism. And basically it's any biological organism that's had its genome modified by DNA or RNA-based uh, techniques. So what essentially you see in a GMO is a genome that's had a piece of foreign DNA or DNA from that exact same plant that's been inserted into that genome, that plant or animal or bacterial genome. Um, GMOs generally in agriculture are uh, plants that overexpress or express a different version of a gene, which then encodes a different version of a protein than the normal or endogenous protein or gene in the plant's genome. Um, but there are examples where the transgene, the piece of DNA that we've inserted into the genome, is used to silence another piece of DNA, either in that organism, the plant, or, for example, in a bacteria or a virus or some other pathogen that infects that plant. Okay. So um, how does this technology uh, compare to uh, CRISPR or CRISPR-Cas9, which is a gene editing technique, and we're just starting to hear about this uh, in the general press now, and I think a lot of people probably have questions. How does this technology compare to GMOs and the concept that's out there in GMOs? That's a great question. All right, so um, we can, well, all right, let's start by what is CRISPR-Cas or genome editing in general. So when we're doing genome editing, we need two components that are gonna be introduced into a living organism cell. In this case, we'll talk about plants. We need a, a targeting mechanism that specifically targets a certain region of a gene or genome. And so that's done with a piece of DNA that has the same sequence as the target sequence. And then that piece of DNA has another piece of DNA or RNA. Actually, what we're seeing is we're, we're using DNA to encode for an RNA. RNA stands for ribonucleic acid. Mm -hmm. And in the general system, when we talk about the dogma of how uh, gene expression works, we have DNA, which is our genome. That gets transcribed into RNA, which then gets translated into protein. However, RNAs also have functions on their own. In the case of gene editing, it's RNAs are one of the tools that we use for targeting a region of the genome. So we have a piece of RNA that is the same basic sequence as the DNA that we're targeting, and another piece of RNA that acts like a handle. You can imagine that the cup is a target and the handle carries something else. In this case, that handle is carrying an enzyme that cuts the genome that we're targeting. The cell then goes and repairs that cut. Sometimes, when the cell repairs that cut, it makes a mistake. And as a result, we are inducing mutations into a very specific spot in the genome. 
This is generally used to either change the sequence or to knock out or delete the ability for that particular sequence to be expressed. Now, how do we deliver that RNA and that editing protein? So the editing protein is called the Cas9 protein. Those can be delivered by a GMO-based transgene where we transform an organism with the targeting information as well as the sequence for the Cas9 protein. Those get expressed, scan the genome until they find the target sequence, and then make random mutations around that target sequence. Scientists then go in and examine what those mutations look like and then select mutations that are the kind that we want for whatever the purpose of that editing is. We can then use regular genetics to cross out or remove the transgene that caused the mutation. And now what we have is a plant or an animal that is not a GMO in the sense that it no longer contains a foreign piece of DNA that's been introduced into the genome, but it has a mutation in the genome. Those mutations look identical to naturally occurring mutations in the wild, except that we have targeted where they occur and then we've screened and selected for them. Now, I said that we can use a transgene or a piece of GMO DNA in order to bring those tools in, but there are groups that have expressed the RNA targeting sequence and the Cas9 protein, packaged them in a set of molecules, and then introduced those molecules into a cell where the cell gets mutated without ever even generating a GMO. So CRISPR-Cas is not, can, we can generate CRISPR-Cas using a GMO approach, or we can generate CRISPR-Cas in a non-GMO approach. But once, either way, once we've removed the workhorse, the targeting sequence and the Cas9 enzyme, then we're basically looking at something that looks just like a naturally occurring mutation in the wild. Very interesting. So this argument, uh, is it a GMO or not a GMO, is that going to continue going forward, or are we going to see that um, this CRISPR-9 allows us to get away from that argument or makes it a much more complicated answer as to whether it's an acceptable or unacceptable to some groups? So the reason I said, oh, that's an awesome or excellent question is because we're now sitting in the gray zone of definitions. And when people were defining GMOs, no one ever envisioned that a CRISPR-Cas-like gene editing approach would be available. The groups that are working on non-GM approaches to do CRISPR-Cas are basically shall we say betting or assuming or suggesting that the public may view the actual use of a transgene to make a CRISPR-Cas mutation, that defines that as GMO, so they're getting around that by not using a transgene. Still, the fact that we are editing the genome in a specific place could be argued by people that we are genetically modifying an organism. But there are other techniques, such as what we call tilling, or targeted induced local lesions in genomes, where basically groups make huge mutagenic populations of a crop, for example, wheat, and we basically just have tons of mutations throughout the genome, and then we have a gene that we're interested in changing, and we screen that huge population for examples where that gene has been changed. That has never been considered GMO because it's just naturally occurring mutations or induced mutations that look just like naturally occurring mutations and no transgene. Where we're in the gray zone is 
once the CRISPR-Cas product is done, once that genome has been edited, if we go in and look at that genome and compare it to a naturally occurring mutation or one of these tilling-induced mutations, we can't tell the difference. They all look the same, the only difference being whatever the mutation is in that region. Very interesting. So if our uh, listening audience wants to learn a little bit more about these uh, different techniques, is there a place they can go to find some of this information? Well, there's a lot of information out there, but I would suggest that they could come and talk with me. I give talks all around the state and the region on both GMO as well as CRISPR-Cas9 uh, based gene editing and some other variants on, of, of GMOs and uh, different approaches that are being uh, used. I, I'm more than happy to talk with anybody about that. There's a lot of resources on the internet, but of course, you need to look at enough to be able to figure out which is useful information and which is not. Sound advice. Thank you, Michael. You're welcome. My pleasure. Thanks for listening to the WSU Wheat Beat Podcast. If you have questions for us that you'd like to hear addressed on future episodes, please email me at drew.lyon at wsu.edu. You can find us online at smallgrains.wsu.edu. You can also find us on social media on Facebook and Twitter at WSU Small Grains. Subscribe to the show through iTunes or your favorite podcasting app. The WSU Wheat Beat Podcast is a production of Connors Communications in the College of Agricultural, Human and Natural Resource Sciences at Washington State University. I'm Drew Lyon. We'll see you next week.